Selah. No, I'm just kidding. Well, not really, but today I get the wonderful privilege of talking to you about this idea of strengthening yourself in the Lord. Uh, one way to say it is also encouraging yourself in the Lord. And so we're going to look at the life of David. The Lord's uh, really been blessing me this morning, just as I was meditating, um, getting ready for this message. Um, and yeah, I believe that, um, I believe I'm looking at a lot of people in this room who have been called by God. Not just called, we, all of us have been called, he's called us all by name. That's how you get saved. But there's a lot of you in here that have a specific calling or a mandate on your life to do something. And everyone gets a mandate, whether it's in business, in you know, whatever part of society, because God's bringing his kingdom to the ends of the earth, right? And some of you have a calling specifically to the church, to ministry, but if you, some, you know, some people will, will, will dice it up and say there's secular callings and there's ministerial callings. A calling is a calling, and it's holy nonetheless. So if you're called by God to be a lawyer, that's just as holy and honorable of a, as a calling to be, as someone to be a pastor. Why? Because it came from God, and it has the same purpose and intention in it to bring his kingdom to the earth. Amen. So I want to encourage you with that. So I, I believe that I'm looking at a room of people that are called. And I believe that there's many of you who are going to experience callings. I know that personally I had, I can look back and this is one of the things regarding strengthening yourself in the Lord is rehearsing your past victories and keeping the testimony you know, we overcome the enemy by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And I know personally, I have a unique story how God called me. You have a unique story how God called you. Moses is the only man in the Bible that had a burning bush. But yet many men in the Bible had their own burning bush, so to speak. Right? And so knowing your calling, remembering your calling, it fortifies you to remember why when you face difficulty. And it helps you to strengthen yourself in the Lord. And now we're going to look at the life of David. And uh, the Lord just really, really blessed me with this story. Um, because David, one, is a, is a man after God's own heart, right? He, he, I, don't, I don't know if I look at a man in the scriptures aside Jesus that was tested the way David was tested. David went through some pruning, man. <laughs> he was tried. He was tested. And what God found was a man after his heart. And my desire is that every one of us would be found as men and women after his heart. Amen. But I, I felt to say that this morning that I believe some of you are going to experience callings, whether it's a divine encounter that you have in service, at home, in your sleep, 
For me, it was a year after I got saved. I had a dream one night. I was thinking about it this morning and sharing with Rachel, and I, I think it was actually the same night that I was filled with the Spirit. And I had a dream. And in the dream, the Lord called me. And I can look back to that moment as a burning bush experience for me, where the Lord called me. And um, the way that God encounters people, the way that he calls them is unique to each individual because in the encounter reveals the nature of the calling. When God encountered Abraham in, in, in Genesis 15, you can see in his encounter the nature of his calling and what Abraham was called to do and who he was called to be. Moses encountered a flaming, a burning bush because part of Moses' calling was to be a refining fire in the wilderness. He encountered the burning bush on the backside of the mountain, which faces the wilderness that Israel wandered in for 40 years, because Moses' call was to be a refining fire. And so the way God encounters you, the way he calls you is unique to every one of you. And it's important for you to know your calling and to know how God called you so that you, you, have, you, you can fight with your testimony. You can use your testimony to strengthen yourself and know this is what I'm called to. And if you don't know your calling, then my prayer for you today is that the Lord would reveal it to you or remind you, hey, this time, this is when I called you. This is what I spoke to you, and this is why, and that there would be understanding brought to your life. But I feel like the Lord wants to release divine callings, even today. And I, that, uh, the Lord said to say that, and I was like, okay. <laughs> but it's his job to do it, amen? So I just felt to release that. If, if, yeah, amen. So David is such an incredible man. Um, gosh, so in 1 Samuel chapter 30, the whole idea of this is going to come from this passage. In 1 Samuel chapter 30, it says in verse 6, this, so what happened was, I'm going to explain the whole context, but David he goes off to battle. He's, he's actually fighting for the Philistines. So we're going to go into the context of David's story and all of this in, in him coming into destiny. But David was called, we know, to be king, right? He was, he was called by God and he was anointed to be the king of Israel. He was the chosen king. But he went through a, a journey and a long process before he got to sit on the throne. And so what happens in 1 Samuel 30 is this is one of really the last battles that David faces and trials that he has to overcome before he sits on the throne. And I heard someone once say this. They say, the devil will, will bring the biggest attack against your life right before you have the biggest breakthrough of your destiny. Oh, Amen. <laughs> so what happens is, is David had actually... Um, he had defected in a sense, and he had gone to live with the Philistines. And for about a year and three months, he had been going off and in a sense fighting for profit. He had been going and defeating kingdoms and killing people and, and fighting for the Philistines. And he would come back and he would submit himself to the king of the Philistines. Some of you are like, what? David did that? Yeah. And so what the Philistines did is they gave him a city called Ziklag. And there was 600 men with David and their, their families, their wives, and their children. And so the Philistines are about to 
go fight against Israel. And David is going with them. And David has already been rejected by Saul. He was rejected by Israel. And now the enemy rejects him. <laughs> Even the Philistines at this point, they reject him. And what, what they say is they begin to kind of murmur about David and they're like, we can't let this man go up to fight with us. What if he turns on us and gains favor with his, with his king? And they're like, and so the, then the king of the Philistines trusted David, but because of his princes, he's like, listen, they don't trust you. They don't want to go to battle with you. So you need to leave. You need to, to go back. You cannot go to fight with us. So David has faced probably more rejection than any man in the Bible. And then as they're going back to their home of Ziklag, it was a 60-mile journey. So it says on the third day, meaning they probably went 20 miles a day, which think about that, Nick, or anyone who's in the military, right? They're doing 20 miles a day. They've got to be tired. Like, <laughs> you guys know rucking and all that. Um, Three-day journey. They go 60 miles from where they were to Ziklag. And <clears throat> they see the city is burning. And it was burned to the ground. All of their possessions were gone. Their wives, their children, their families had all been taken. There's nothing left. They have nothing to come home to. And it says that, that, that the people, um, the men, it says, David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept. And it says this, until they had no more power to weep. So they, they, they cried until there were no tears left. <laughs> Think about that. Some of you have experienced that. I th probably most of us, if not all of us, have experienced that, where we've just experienced the trials of life. And it says that then um, David was greatly distressed in verse 6 because the people spoke of stoning him. The people spoke of stoning him. They've lost everything, and now they're just like, let's turn on David then. He's the one that led us here. Now we've lost everything. We've lost our families. We have nothing. We're rejected from Israel. There's nothing left. Let's stone David. It's his fault. So it says David was greatly distressed. Think about this. He's rejected by Saul. He's rejected by Israel. He's rejected by the Philistines. And now his own friends, his own people want to stone him. He has no one to turn to. He has no one to talk to. He has no one to call on the phone. What do you do when you have no one to turn to? And this is what it says. It says, but David strengthened himself in the Lord. But David strengthened himself in the Lord. Now, what's unique about this story is that the Amalekites are the ones who came and raided Ziklag and, and took their wives and possessions captive. What David goes on to do is he, he tells Abiathar the priest, bring me the ephod, meaning bring me the priestly garments. He strengthens himself in the Lord. And then he's like, now I want to go and consult the Lord. What do I do? And it says that um, David inquired of the Lord in verse 8, saying, shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, the Lord answered him and said, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake them and without fail recover all. 
You will recover everything, David. Now, here is what's awesome about this. If you turn back 15 chapters or so before this, we see when David comes onto the scene. It's right after, this is so cool, it's the Amalekites that raided Ziklag, okay? This is what led to David's being chosen as king because God told Saul to go and utterly destroy the Amalekites and he disobeyed him. And when Saul disobeyed, this is when he's now rejected from being king and David is chosen. So the very enemy that David's king himself disobeyed God for defeating is the one that David is now experiencing tribulation from. So I, I've heard people say this before that I love. It's so true. Uh, it, it's a sobering thing, and it has to do with God's calling. But if we don't do what God has called us to do, he'll find someone else who will. And so God called Saul to destroy the Amalekites, and he disobeyed. So he chose David. And now David is facing the enemy for which he was chosen to destroy. And God's promise is go and overtake them and you will recover everything. So in great anguish of soul, before a resurrection, there is a grave. Remember the song? In this great trial of affliction, on the other side is the throne of destiny. And it's right after this that David becomes king because in this battle that the Philistines went to go fight Israel, this is where Saul and his sons die. <sighs> Isn't that cool? My only one thinks that's cool. So, so I love this story of, of David because he's the, the most unlikely God told Israel, he said, the Lord did not choose you because you were a great and mighty nation, for you were actually the least, the smallest, the weakest of all nations on the earth. But the Lord, has, your God, has chosen you to set you high above all the nations of the earth. In 1 Corinthians 1, he says, consider your calling, brethren, that not many of you were mighty according to the flesh. Not many of you were noble. Not many of you were wise and prestigious, for the Lord has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And he's chosen the weak things to dismantle the mighty. The foolishness of God is wiser than men. He chooses what's weak so that he can be glorified. So that we recognize that only God can do that. Think of Gideon. How was Gideon called? The Lord called him to be a deliverer. And he had like an army of 30,000, if I remember right. And the Lord says, nah, I want 300. So the Lord sends away 29,700 soldiers. And he destroys a whole nation with 300 men. And you know what the, the strategy was? Get a trumpet in a pot. This is how we're going to defeat the enemy. <laughs> what? 
Hey, hey, Joshua, I want you to march around Jericho seven times and then shout at the top of your lungs. Goes around seven times. Ah! People would be like, what are they doing? And then all of a sudden, douche. The victory belongs to the Lord. So God delivers Israel with just 300 men. Why? Because he uses the weak things to confound the mighty. I like this about God. He doesn't look for the most qualified. He doesn't look for the most obvious. He doesn't look at the external in the story of David, it says, because the Lord looks at the heart. Men look on the outside, but God looks at the heart. And so David is the most unlikely among his brothers. In fact, some, some people would even say that, that they don't know that David even had the same mother. And this is one of the reasons why he was sort of outcast and set aside. Because they, they thought that some scholars would say this, that David had a different mother. And he, so he was the rejected son. He was like the black sheep. And so Jesse has all of these sons and he brings them before Samuel. He feels very honored. My, my, the Lord has chosen one of my sons to be the king. Well, surely it's my firstborn. He's strong. He's mighty. He's the tallest. He's the most obvious choice. No, it's not him. Well, surely it's this one. No, it's not him. Surely it's this one. No, it's not him. Do you have any other sons? Well, there's, there's David. <laughs> He's out in the field tending the sheep. Bring him. And God chooses this boy who tends sheep and says, this one is the king of Israel. He says in verse 11, Samuel said to Jesse, are all the young men here? Then he said, there remains yet the youngest, and there he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and bring him, for we will not sit down until he comes here. So he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy, with bright eyes, and good looking. <laughs> I like that description. That was me when I was a boy, right, mom? Where'd she go? <laughs> Bright eyes, good looking. Ruddy, I'd be playing in the dirt. That's a picture my mom has of me and my brother where it rained one day and we decided to go roll around in the grass and get covered in mud. And then we came to the front door just covered head to toe in mud and we're like, hi. She has a picture of us. It's funny. Ruddy, bright eyed, good looking. And the Lord said, arise and anoint him. For this is the one. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So David was anointed king, but it took a long time before he sat on the throne. So... Then we get to read the story of how David slays Goliath. He's moving in his anointing. He's destroying the enemies of Israel. 
But he continued to subject himself to, in honor to King Saul. And he would repeatedly say, that's the Lord's anointed. And he honored Saul and he subjected himself to him. And I love that there's two encounters where David had the opportunity to kill Saul and he spared his life. And David, I believe, is a beautiful example of what it means to overcome evil with good to bless those who curse you, to pray for those who persecute you, to love your enemies, right? This is the teachings of Jesus, to not expect anything in return. And so David, David is, has spent his life running from Saul, and he gets tired. There's, there's three things that I want to share that, that weaken us spiritually. One is the demands of service. Sometimes we can serve so much in our, in our job, in our work, in different things, and we can just serve, 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 run, 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 work, 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 that we begin to weary ourselves. And, and that's, that's not bad, right? It's good to work. It's a holy thing. That's, but we need, to we need to strengthen ourselves. We need to replenish ourselves. Where? In the Lord. Um, a, a, a second thing is the demise of sin. Sin weakens you spiritually. We see an example with um, Samson. Samson was mighty in the spirit. He was strong in the Lord, yet his downfall was women. I immorally, not, not, <laughs> not, not just women, but immorally. He, 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 was, he had a problem with lust. And sin became his downfall because Delilah cuts his hair and he loses all of his strength, right? The demise of sin can weaken you sp spiritually. And the third thing is the devices of Satan. Satan will work to attack you, to sift you, to steal, kill, and destroy, to try you, to tempt you, to test you because he wants to see your downfall. So there's the, the schemes of the devil. And that's really what we're seeing with David is the enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy, and, and it, it puts them in such anguish that they weep till they can weep no more. They have no strength left. And here's the thing. God, God wanted to feed David before he counseled David. God wants to strengthen you before he leads you. You need to strengthen yourself in the Lord before you find out the direction of what you need to do next. The comforter wants to comfort you before he tells you what to do next. Amen? Amen. David first strengthened himself in the Lord, and then he counseled the Lord of, of, or inquired of the Lord, what should I do? And the Lord said, go and pursue them, and you'll recover everything. If David didn't strengthen himself first, and he said, what do I do? Go, you know, go and pursue everything. He would have had no strength to go and recover. This is why Jesus told us to abide. The importance of abiding. Without him, you can bear no fruit. You can of yourself do nothing. That's why we see in the Gospels that Jesus regularly retreated to a quiet place by himself to pray. So this story is just wonderful because, well, it's just wonderful because it's the Bible. <laughs> That's a good enough reason. <laughs> but
But, but David has been running from Saul, and he gets to a point where he's tired. And it says that, where is it in chapter? Oh, no, I don't see it. Ah, chapter 27, verse 1 says, David said, this is right after he spared Saul the second time. He spares Saul's life, and then David does this. He says this, it says, David said in his heart, someday I will perish by the hand of Saul. So there's nothing better for me than that I should speedily escape to the land of the Philistines, and Saul will despair of searching for me. So he goes and joins himself to the Philistines, and he begins to work with the Philistines. And they give him a city. He earns favor with King, Saul, with, uh, king Achish, I believe, the king of the Philistines. And so this all leads up to this point where now David has nothing left and he must strengthen himself in the Lord. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to lay that whole story out because it's awesome. So I want to talk about practical ways of strengthening yourself. I'm kind of late already, but practical ways of strengthening yourself. Number one is what, what the Lord said is keeping the testimony. Remembering what the Lord has done for you. Remembering how he saved you. Remembering the miracles that he's done. Remembering his provision. Israel's number one downfall is that they stopped remembering what God had done for them. And when they did that, that's when they went into idolatry. So the Lord told Israel to keep these different feasts, to set up these different memorials so that they would remember how the Lord had delivered them from the hand of Pharaoh, how the Lord had worked wonders in the land of Egypt, and how he had saved them with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Remembering. This is what, when Tom talks about worshiping the Lord, he's like, search your history. Why? Remember what he's done. Remember how, remember how amazing he is, how faithful he is. Remember the faithfulness of God. There's a psalm in the book of Psalms that says, feed on his faithfulness. Feed upon his faithfulness. And so when you're, when you're tired, when you're just exhausted, maybe you had a long week, what do you turn to for strength? Do you turn to Netflix? Do you turn to Facebook? Do you scroll Instagram? Do you just let yourself go numb and find a false sense of rest and comfort in social media? Do you turn to food? Do you call your best friend and talk about your week, which is not a bad thing to do. Fellowship is important. But first and foremost, your strength comes from the Lord. The Lord. The Lord is my strength. The Lord is my light and my salvation. What shall I fear? Right? So it's really cool because David strengthens himself in the Lord. It says that they go and they, they attack from, from twilight till the next day. All night and all day, they attack the Amalekites. They destroy them. They take back their sons, their, their daughters, their wives, all their possessions, and they plundered the Amalekites. So they even got some extra. And then David becomes king. So here's my encouragement to you. When you feel like you're facing your biggest downfall, remember the promises of God. 
What did he promise you? What did he promise you? The Bible says, I mentioned it in the offering time, but we partake in 2 Peter 1, it says we partake of his divine nature through the precious promises given to us. Feed on his faithfulness. I'll, I'll, for me, one of the things I do is I just open my Bible and I try to still my heart. It says in Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3, it says, You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. I don't remember where it is now, dang it. There's a verse that talks about resting in, in quietness and assurance. Isaiah 30, thank you. I knew it was in here. What verse? Where is it? 18? Thank you. You guys are awesome. No, that's not the one. <laughs> 12. No, that's not the one. Oh, well. In quietness and assurance, you shall rest. Amen? Oh, here's one. Isaiah 32, verse 17. It says, the work of righteousness will be peace. Meaning doing what's right. Even when it doesn't feel like it. And you don't feel like doing it. When David was despairing of life, the right thing was to strengthen himself in the Lord. The right thing was to inquire of God, what do you want me to do? And then obeying the Lord. Even when it's difficult. Even when you don't feel like it. Even when you have every reason to quit, throw in the towel and give up on the calling of God. The right thing to do is to say, Lord, what do you ask of me? And then obey him and go and do it. Go and forth and conquer. You know that faith only grows through obedience. Amen. Disobedience breeds unbelief. That's true. So the work of righteousness will be peace. And the effect of righteousness, quietness and assurance forever. And here's the promise. My people will dwell in a peaceful habitation, in secure dwellings and in quiet resting places. So I'll remember how the Lord called me, what he, what he promised. I think about the day to come, the kingdom of God in its fullness knowing that everything I do in this life unto the Lord, no matter how difficult or hard, is worth it because of the eternal reward it yields. Listen, when you stand before God on judgment day, you will regret not obeying him because of what you could have seen for all eternity. The Lord's not unjust to forget the work and labor of love that you've shown towards his name, Hebrew says. He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And every one of us will stand before God on judgment day, every Christian, to give an account of what you did in your, with your life, and you will be rewarded accordingly. Some of us don't, real, we don't think about that. We just think about, we get to go to heaven. Yes, and you'll be rewarded. There's rewards. So do you know how he called you? 
Do you know what he called you to? And are you faithful to the calling? Because no matter what you may face in life, no matter the difficulty, no matter the circumstance, obedience yields the peaceable fruits of righteousness. And that will have eternal reward forever. Obedience yields the peaceable fruits of righteousness. That's in James. How did I get to Jeremiah? What am I doing here? One of the first things to do, I have a little bit of time here. One of the first things to do when you need to find strength in the Lord is to return to him. Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jeremiah chapter one, the Lord, this is, this is like the word of the Lord, the, the root cause of all Israel's evil that Jeremiah lays out in the whole book. This is the root cause. He says, my people have committed two evils. Number one, they have forsaken me, the fountain of living water. And number two, they've hewn for themselves cisterns that can hold no water. So the first thing you should do, Zechariah chapter one says this, many of the prophets, the first thing they say is, return to the Lord. Come back to the Lord. He's a fountain of living water. Listen, you will not drink of the living water that the New Testament says bubbles up inside of you, that springs up to everlasting life within you. You will not drink of that and find yourself weary. <laughs> you will find strength. You will find refreshment. You will find nourishment to fight the good fight of faith. So return to the Lord. Zephaniah chapter 2. This is a wonderful, wonderful book. It says in, in, in verse 1 through 3 of chapter 2, it's about a call to repentance. And it says in verse 3, Seek the Lord, all you meek of the earth, who have upheld justice. Seek righteousness and seek humility, that, it, that you may be hidden in the day of the Lord's anger, meaning that you will never face the Lord's wrath because you abide in him. You remain with him. And instead of the wrath of the Lord, the kindness of the Lord will be upon your life. And just like Israel in Egypt, when they had the blood of the lamb upon the doorposts, the Lord's anger came against their enemies, but none of them were touched. None of their livestock was touched. They were hidden, where? Under the shadow of his wings. Amen. Seek righteousness, seek humility. And it goes on, the Lord says, there's a ton in the scriptures of how we get the strength from the Lord. One of the ways is through worship. If you find yourself sorrowful, the first thing you should seek to do is get your song back. Because the joy of the Lord is your strength. So that's why Jesus promised us fullness of joy, because he wanted us to be strengthened when he sent us into the world. 
The joy of the Lord is your strength. So when God delivered Israel out of Egypt in Exodus 15, they sing a song and they worship the Lord. And it says there's joy in dancing. And the opening of the, of the song talks about how the Lord is our strength. The Lord is our strength. Isaiah chapter 12 talks about singing a, a song to the Lord and it directly correlates the strength of the Lord to us. You got to get your song back. You got to get your joy back. Don't settle for the spirit of heaviness. You take a drink of the oil of joy. Hallelujah. <laughs> Don't settle because the enemy wants to throw stuff your way. Strengthen yourself in the Lord and do what he says. Zephaniah 3 verse 8 says, Therefore wait for me, says the Lord. Wait for me. Those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Waiting upon the Lord. Remembering his faithfulness. Meditating on his promises. You will find strength in your soul. Amen? Amen. So he goes on to say, In that day, it's, this is speaking of a day that we live in. He says, in that day, you shall not be ashamed for any of your deeds in which you transgressed against me. Why? Because the lamb would have been shed for you. The blood would have been shed for you. You won't be ashamed of your transgressions against me. He says, for then I will take away from your midst those who rejoice in, in your pride and you shall no longer be haughty in my holy mountain, for I will leave in your midst a meek and humble people, and they shall trust in the name of the Lord. What did Jesus say when he said, come to me, and I will give you rest? He says, for I am meek and humble in heart. And the Lord says, I'm going to take away pride so that I have a people that depend upon me, a people like Jacob who seek my face and will wrestle with me until I can break their independence and they are dependent upon me, walk with a limp the rest of their life because they're, I'm, they're leaning on me. As Song of Solomon says, who is this coming up from the wilderness leaning on her beloved? I'm dependent upon the man with fire in his eyes. Moses continued to seek the Lord. When he went to do the will of God, hell broke loose. The people don't like him. Pharaoh's resisting him. It's not going the way it's supposed to go at all. And he's like, he has one place to turn. Lord, what do I do? He says, I will leave in your, the, your midst a meek and humble people, and they shall trust in the name of the Lord. The remnant of Israel shall do no unrighteousness and speak no lies, nor shall a deceitful tongue be found in their mouth, for they shall feed their flocks and lie down, and no one shall make them afraid. That's your promise. Verse 14, sing, O daughter of Zion, and shout, O Israel. Be glad and rejoice with all of your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem, because the Lord has taken away your judgments and he has cast out your enemy. Oh, it sounds like Colossians. <laughs> 
The King of Israel, the Lord is in your midst and you shall see disaster no more at all. This is the gospel of the kingdom. It's the arrival of the king. He's here. He's in your midst. He's taken away your judgments. He's cast out your enemy. Oh, hallelujah. And then it says, In that day it shall be said to Jerusalem, Do not fear. Zion, let not your hands be weak. For the Lord your God is in your midst. The mighty one will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness and he will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. This is what Jesus is talking about in Luke 15 when he says there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents. Return to the Lord, the fountain of living waters. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. And he will delight in you all the days of your life. Hallelujah. We like that. Shatarabakoto. A second tip for strengthening yourself is remember that you're under divine protection. The Lord of hosts is with us. And he is mighty in battle. You're seated with him in heavenly places. You're covered by, the, by his hand and under the shadow of his wings you have refuge. The Lord of hosts, the Lord of angel armies is with us. If he lives in me, and multitudes of multitudes of myriads of angels surround his throne, I am covered. The Lord of hosts is with me. There's more on my side than are on theirs. Come on. That's a good word. And number three, remind yourself of who God is. Remind yourself of who God is. He is Jehovah Rapha the Lord who heals. He is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who, who provides. He is Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord your righteousness. I think that's the one. It's either the Lord your banner or the Lord your righteousness. Remind yourself of who he is. He is your savior. He is your deliverer. He is your king. He is your judge that releases righteous judgment on your behalf, who judges you righteously in his eyes who silences the accuser on your behalf. Remind yourself of who your God is and strengthen yourself in the Lord. I want you to understand that God did not strengthen David. David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. You have to cooperate. You have to seek the Lord while he may be found. You have to rely upon your God. If you don't realize that you are utterly dependent upon the Almighty, then you have taken your American privileges for granted. We are in need of God. And every day I have reason to give thanks because I have a bed to sleep in that someone gave to me. I have a coffee table that someone gave to me. I look around my house and I'm like, man, I, I bought hardly any of this stuff. And I, 
to be honest, I forget. I forget at times. And I'm like, wait a minute. Feed upon his faithfulness. Remember how he delivered you from the hand of Pharaoh. Remember how he provided for you when you didn't have enough money to pay your bills. Remind yourself of who your God is and what he's done, because what he has done prophesies of what he will do. He doesn't change. Amen? Another wonderful thing you can do is pray in the Spirit. Praying in the Spirit, says, builds up your most holy faith. Praying in the Spirit strengthens you in your inner man. Sometimes you just got to, by faith, a lot of, most of the time you pray in tongues and it's like heavenly. It's like, whoo, I feel the glory. But there's sometimes when you just got to dig a well. And you just got to, for 20 minutes, by faith, just pulling on heaven, pulling upon your God. Another thing is to trust in God's timing. David did not try to take the throne of his own accord, even though he was told it was his. He waited for the Lord to give it to him. He waited for the Lord to give him the throne. Trust in God's timing. Amen? Amen. So, to re-bring it full circle, remember your calling. Remember how the Lord called you. Remember what he called you to. And then do it with all your heart. Amen? Amen. Stand up this morning. I want to encourage you that the Lord loves you. The Lord delights in you. And in the same way that says David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away and David rescued his two wives and nothing of theirs was lacking. The Lord is your shepherd. You shall not lack. Nothing, neither small nor great, sons nor daughters, spoil nor anything which they had taken from them, David recovered all. Then David took all the flocks and herds that they had driven before those other livestock and said, this is David's spoil. Meaning they came away, not only recovering everything the enemy had taken, but a cherry on top. They spoiled the Amalekites. And David defeated the enemy that Saul was supposed to when he disobeyed and led David to being chosen as king.
And David became king. And then it goes on to say that there was a day when David perceived that he was king, meaning he began to see himself the way the father did. And he began to realize his identity and his destiny and his calling to be the king of Israel, one who would rule with righteous judgment, one who would do what was in the Lord's heart. Now, David himself wasn't perfect, but this began to show us of one who would come, a king that would reign victoriously, do everything that was in the heart and mind of the Father, to lead the people. You know when it says that he shall rule them with a rod of iron? The word rule is the word shepherd. This king would shepherd his people. And the Lord is your shepherd, and you shall have no lack. You shall not be in want or in need of anything, because the provider will give you all things. So strengthen yourself. Strengthen yourself in the Lord. Don't settle because the enemy threw muck on your face today. <sighs> That's not for me. That's not who I am. That's not what my father promised. All of a sudden, you have financial need. Oh no, what did I do? Did I not give? No, remind yourself, Lord, the tithe is yours. You will open the windows of heaven. Oh gosh, I don't know. I feel afraid. Did he really say? Yes, he really said. Feed on his faithfulness. Remind yourself of his promises. Amen. So let's pray together. Say, Heavenly Father, I ask for grace to strengthen myself in the Lord, my God. Lord, I return to you the fountain of living waters. And I find my strength in you. Father, I bless your people. I, I'm, a, I'm praying over you now, sorry. <laughs> Father, I bless your people. I pray that you would make your face shine upon them. And Lord, I do ask even now for divine callings to be released. I ask for divine encounters to come upon those whom you have called, Lord. That whether it be a moment right here at the altar right now, later today when they read their Bible, or tonight when they have their, a dream, that, Lord, you would have divine encounter on your people, that you would call them by name, and that you would show them the purpose and the destiny. I pray for burning bush moments for people's lives to be marked to say, this was a turning point and I'm never going back. I will seek the Lord, I will serve the Lord, and I will give my life for the Lord. God, I pray for burning bush moments and of surrendered hearts that yield themselves as Mary to say, be it unto me according to your word. Be it unto me according to your word. Father, I bless your people. I thank you for the shadow of the Almighty overshadowing your people and birthing promises in them, birthing destinies in them, birthing your word in them, releasing through them the fountain of living waters to bring refreshing and life to this earth, to see your kingdom advanced to the ends of the earth. Father, I bless your people. 
I thank you for divine callings and divine encounters today, Lord. For people to be rooted and anchored in the promise of our God, in the purposes of our God. And that we would be a people that remember the Lord of hosts is with us and he is for us and he is mighty in battle. That we would remember the things that you have done for us, Lord. How when I didn't have enough money, I had a random check for $275 in my mailbox. Lord, thank you for your provision. When I didn't know where we would live or what we would do, you provided a home, Lord. Thank you, Lord. When I didn't know how to get from point A to point Z and to do what you called me to do, you led me step by step like a father leading his son. Father, we trust you. And we lean upon you so that, Lord, we can see your purposes accomplished in the earth that we can see your will done on earth as it is in heaven. Father, we thank you for your strength. And we declare in our weakness, you are strong. Your grace is sufficient for us. And we thank you. God, we thank you. Let grace be released upon your people, I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen.